Hello, and welcome to Greater Than Code, episode 235. I'm John Sowers, and I'm here with Mondo Escamilla. Thanks, John. And I'm here with uh, three RailsCom scholars who are going to be joining us today. Would y'all like to uh, take turns introducing yourself, maybe starting with Leah? Um, my name is Leah Miller, and I'm a platform engineer at Highwing, which is an insure tech startup based out of Denver. Uh, before making over the switch to technology, I spent almost a decade in the insurance industry, primarily working as a production underwriter. In my spare time, I enjoy running and craft beer and frequently the careful combination of the two. I'm also a new dog mom to a rescue pup named Orla. Great. Tram, you want to go next, please? Yeah. So, hi, everyone. I'm Tram Bui. I am currently attending Ada Developers Academy, which is a tuition-free coding program for women and gender-diverse folks in Seattle. The program includes an internship match with a Seattle tech company. So, currently, for my internship, I work as a developer relations engineer. And what this means is that I try to make it easier for Rails developers to deploy their apps to the cloud. Outside of coding, I try to maintain and improve my uh, high school tennis skills. Also, I like to read books and also thinking about my next great public transportation adventure and volunteering for local nonprofits. And then, Stephanie, I can pass it on to you. Hi, I'm happy to be here. I'm Stephanie, and I've been working with Rails for the past four years. But now I'm trying to transition from dev full time to having my own projects. And besides software, I also like to talk about plant-based diet, financial independence, and mental health. Also, if you have noticed my accent, I'm from Brazil, but <laughs> I live in Vancouver, BC. And yeah, I'm, I'm really happy to be here. Awesome. One, welcome to the show, everyone. So this is uh, just a little setup here. This is a not every year at RailsConf, but most years at RailsConf, we do have a special episode where sometimes we've got many of the panelists are together and so we can record in the same room, which is uh, obviously very novel for us. This year, of course, it's all online. So one of the things we've also done is is bring in some of the people who are part of the RailsConf Scholar Program, uh, which is the program to uh, you know expand access to tech conferences to people that are underrepresented and to give them some guidance on how to make the most of their experience at the conference. And so we always think it's great to get the opinions of people that are brand new to this industry and uh, see what their perspective is on everything. So we're going to start off with our usual question, uh, which is what is your superpower and how did you acquire it? Um, and so we can go really in any order. Who would like to go first? I can go first. So my superpower would be the ability to get eight hours of sleep a night. <laughs> and I think I acquired this power. I think I was like very just like, I loved nap times as a kid. And I grew up like knowing the importance of like a good night's rest. I think for me to be like my best self, that's one of like the big thing that I need to have. I think growing up and going to college, it was very like, oh, sleep is like, sleep is not important. But I always like had noticed the importance of like sleep and I think in this like hustle economy too like people are very fast to just like cast aside I was like you can sleep when you're dead but I'm like no if you don't sleep you will die faster so I'm gonna take every opportunity that I can to at least get like a full night's rest I am so jealous of that superpower <laughs> I think mine 
feeds into a little bit of the opposite of that. But uh, my my superpower is the ability to keep people company uh, when they're running through the night during hundred mile races or ultra marathons. So people, you know, running at 3am, 4am, getting really down, needing someone to lift them up. I can run alongside them and sing or, you know, just be a companion to keep them motivated. And I think I acquired this skill uh, from being a middle child. So I spent a lot of time just entertaining myself and being pretty independent. And if you can entertain yourself, it's pretty easy to extrapolate that to others keep people going so <laughs> I would say that my superpower currently is a work in progress actually but it's doing things even if I'm terrified of doing I've always struggled a little bit with self-confidence and how I acquired that I actually had to go to therapy first to build the foundations but now I think I've been getting pretty good at it and the feeling of doing the things that you're scared, like at the end, is a really good feeling. You feel like a superwoman. <laughs> oh, those are all such great answers. <laughs> I want to dive into like each of them. I think like, oh, I just, my thoughts are, are jumbling up because I want to ask questions to all of you. Well, uh, I think I'll start with Stephanie like that. I, th I mean, that's an amazing superpower and it's definitely going to serve you well. Like I, it's something that I've had to learn, like as I develop my speaking career at the same time, like it was like even just thinking that it was possible for me to get up on stage and do that. Like that took a while to get there and then actually doing it also took a lot of practice. So like certainly that's going to be awesome. Yeah, it's so it's so easy to just keep doing the things that you're good at, right? And you know, kind of try to ignore or maybe push off the things that uh, you're not so good at, or you don't have that confidence in, right? Stephanie, like you were like you were saying, it's funny. I've I, <laughs> I keep relearning this lesson over and over again. You know, there's this project at work that I've been you know putting off and pushing the Jira ticket over, right? Just because I, you know. I kept telling myself that it wasn't important and that I could do, you know, other other things were were higher priority, right? Yeah, it's just because I was kind of scared that I wasn't going to be able to do it as well as I could do the other things, you know? Yeah, I just had to sit down and do it, right? And then I pushed up the PR and it got, you know, ripped to shreds by the other wonderful... <laughs> amazing engineers that I work with right but it's good you know I didn't I, I didn't die <laughs> so yeah it's uh it's funny how we have to keep learning these lessons over and over again sometimes I think yeah that reminds me that there's sort of a related skill in there also which is realizing when you're afraid of something like sometimes you think, oh, I, it's just not important that I, that happens yeah. right now like, as an excuse. But like once you realize, oh, I'm actually afraid of how this is going to go, it allows you to approach it differently. You can be like, oh, okay, well, that's what this is. All right, then now now I know how to like face it head on rather than pretending it's some, some other reason. So I think that that's really important as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And it, it's. Yeah, it took me a couple of days to realize that, that, that that's what I was doing, you know, and it, it wasn't until that was the the last thing I had to work on for the sprint, right, after I had, you know, reshuffled and moved everything over and then, like, looked in the other, looked at my other teammates' Jira boards to see if they had any stuff that I could <laughs> help out with, right? 
<laughs> that finally I was like, well, okay, I guess I'll just do this one. Yeah, I think sometimes for me, like the anticipation or like the thought of it is like even scarier than actually doing the task itself. Like I've had this happen to me so many different times. Like, for instance, like with this podcast, I'm like, yeah, this is something that like I want to do because I like like listening to podcasts. But it was like the, the nervousness and the scariness of like putting myself out there and just like thinking about it, like leading up to this moment. It's like so much scarier than actually being in the moment and like talking with y'all. So, yeah. I think part of it, too, is recognizing that like your feelings are, are not existing in a vacuum. You know, there's other people that experience the same insecurities or, you know, are just kind of going through what you're going through. And, you know, we were interviewing someone a couple weeks ago at my company and just talking about the stressors of being, you know, from a, a boot camp and being hired into um, an engineering organization as either a junior developer or a mid-level developer or whatever level, but just knowing that your background isn't, you know, a CS degree or it's just a little bit different than, you know, what other people have. And then having that insecurity of I'm pushing up a PR and then are 20 people going to make comments on this? And then that gets pushed to Slack and everyone sees all 20 comments, you know, Am I going to be laughed at or, you know, looked at as less than? Uh, and so it's just nice to, you know, express that to someone else and have them, you know, kind of regurgitate the same feelings or just reflect back to you that, like, you're not the only one who's, you know, having self-doubt in, in that way. Yeah. And it's tough to, it's tough for me, at least, to remember sometimes that I come from a very different place privilege-wise than other folks on the team. And so it can be a lot easier for me to do stuff like just push this PR up and ask for, ask for comments, right? Because my experience may be very different than someone who doesn't have my same background or the amount of experience that I have or the kinds of relationships that I may have with other folks on the team. And so it's a, you know, I, I strive to uh, help create spaces, whether at work or wherever, where people can feel comfortable asking questions and, you know, not worrying about uh, people coming in and, and being, you know, overly critical or negative or whatever. But, you know, my, my lived experience is very different than others. And so that, you know, that's something that I need to keep in mind, right, that you can't always just, can't always assume good faith that everyone's going to be, everyone's going to treat you the way that you would maybe treat them, right? And I have to actively work and, you know, and actively communicate to people that this is that kind of place. Do you, have, do you find that there are specific things that you do to communicate that or at least to, to like make that sort of ambiently, like knowledgeable to the other people on the team? You know, that's a good question. I think the, the easiest thing you can do is uh, make sure that you're modeling both sides of that behavior. Like asking a lot of questions, putting yourself in kind of vulnerable situations, and then also making sure that you that you always jump in and respond positively when others do that, so that you can kind of help set a baseline. I think of what what the behavior should be, right, and what the, what behavior is expected. And then the second thing, right, is always making sure to call out behavior that doesn't hit the bar, you know, and I, I can't remember where 
uh, where I first heard this, but my buddy Jerry, he's the one who always drops the phrase to remind me. He says that it's, it's, it's as simple as saying, we don't do that here. It doesn't have to be a big deal. doesn't have to be a huge problem or anything. Just when there's behavior that you don't do here, you say, we don't do that. <laughs> we don't do that here, right? It's as simple as that. I love that. Yeah, Jerry's awesome. I, I think this is a really interesting topic because I'm always looking for examples of, of ways to make that you know, easily communicated in a team environment. So have any of you had experiences where some, maybe someone else on the team was able to communicate some of the psychological safety or uh, sort of things that made you more comfortable being who you were on the team? So I, I can speak to, you know, the team where I work, we are a startup. We have about 15, I think maybe officially 16 people now. And we have, I think just hired our fifth, female to join the team or a fifth uh, non-male to join the team. And we have created just a private channel for all non-males on the team uh, in Slack where we can communicate with each other. And we've set up a happy hour uh, once a month where we can meet and you don't have to drink alcohol. You can, you know, just sit and chat and we just have an hour set aside where, you know, no conversation topic is off limits. And it's, just really helpful to just set aside that time where there's no outside influence and it's just, you know, the five or six of us or whoever, or however many there are right now who can join and, you know, just kind of chat through what's, what's a win for the week or what's a struggle for the week. And, you know, I think part of it is giving each other the space to express what's going well and also express what's going wrong and then see if others of us on the team can be a champion for the other person and just offer support. Uh, where possible or step in when, you know, something's happening that we need to maybe put a stop to. Our private channel is lovingly called uh, the Thundercats, <laughs> which I'm pretty fond of. <laughs> That's fantastic. It's almost like a, uh, you make it almost sound like a, like a union kind of, <laughs> where, where y'all can have this place where you have this ability to, to do collective action if necessary. I think that's just fantastic. That's amazing. And I should say that the men on our team are fantastic. So this is not like a, of course. an yeah, escape yeah. patch. Like, oh, we're all, you know, upset about stuff. But it's just nice, you know, regardless of how wonderful the men on the team are, it's nice to have a space for not men. <laughs> yeah, I think that for me, from my experience, the one that I was more comfortable with was at my first uh, Rails job. It was still in Brazil. And the team was totally remote and they did lots of pair programming and they did a great job in onboarding people, but pair programming was way more than onboarding. Like it was a common practice. And I was just like, wow, this is so cool. Like you could learn so much more beyond just the code. And besides that, I felt really comfortable in seeing that no one was scared of doing anything wrong. Like there was a really good communication. So I think that the main thing that needs to be worked at when you're working in a team is to make sure that everyone feels safe to do their stuff and they don't, don't feel like, oh, I'm going to be judged or, you know, I don't want to try this because I don't want to 
have to handle with anything from management or whatever. So maybe having that feeling, oh, you know, we make mistakes here. We are, we are humans, but we try to make the best to learn from them. That's a good way to improve this this team behavior, I guess. <laughs> so you were able to see the other people on the team that you were paired with, like making mistakes and being okay with it. And, and just that became obvious to you that that was a thing that happened all the time and it was fine, right? Yeah, and especially because I was also like self-taught. I actually went for computer science for one year, but I dropped out. And I always had this idea that people with more experience, they know everything. <laughs> and so that was like a, a mindset that I, I changed. And it made me feel way more like human more than anything at first. And that's when I started seeing how much it's important to think of your team and how much that affects everyone and in your company as well. First of all, shout out to CompSci Dropouts. I made it just a little bit farther than you, but yeah, I know exactly where where you're coming from. I had that same thing in my head for a very long time that these folks with their degrees obviously must know so much more than me and I have no idea what I'm doing, right? That's one of the things that I've always loved about the programs like the Rails Comp Scholars is that for me, uh, one of the things that helps combat that kind of imposter syndrome thinking is working with folks directly who are earlier in their careers or have less experience. And so, like, not not only do you do you get to help them, you know, guide them and show them things and stuff, right? But it really does help serve as a reminder of all the stuff that you do know. And there's not there's nothing better than you know talking about something w w with someone and being able to explain it to them and help them. And then you walk away and you're like, oh yeah, I, I, I do know some things. That's, that's kind of nice. I think in talking about like dropping out of a major or like switching major, like my experience and my journey into tech. So I, in college, I was quite afraid. I had a requirement to take a thesis class, but hearing all the horror stories from other people made me delay taking it. So I actually took my first CS class my junior year of college. And while it was really challenging, I definitely enjoyed it way more than I thought I would. But since I took it too late in my college career, I couldn't like switch my major or I couldn't minor or like major in it. And that really stuck with me because like, I think going and finding the Ada Developers Academy, which is like a coding program, it's like, it was kind of like my second chance at like doing something that I wanted to do, but didn't like have the time or didn't have like the confidence to do in college. And one thing that is nice that I keep thinking about is that I don't like, even if I did do a CS major in college, that environment kind of like filled with the competition of it and filled with, I guess, like people who may think that they know more than you may have not been conducive for my education. What I really enjoyed about the current coding program that I'm in is that it's all women or gender diverse folks. And we all come from like all different walks of life. But one thing that we have in common is being really empathetic to each other. And that environment, I think, made all the difference in my ability to learn and to see that there is a community 
that would champion me and that would also try to uplift other people. Yeah, I think that highlights the importance of, of of that initial learning environment. Like if your first exposure to tech is like a weed out course in your when you try taking CS in college, like you're probably never coming back to it. But, you know, having an environment that's specifically designed to actually be supportive and actually get you through learning things can make all the difference, really. Yeah, uh, my oldest son is going through the computer science course uh, or computer science curriculum at uh, UT Dallas uh, here in Texas. And it's, he, his experience is a little bit different, I think because of the pandemic and he doesn't have, there's, you know, that, that in-person structure, everything's different, right? So he's not, he's not having in-person classes, right? So it's kind of forcing it to be a little more collaborative in nature and a little less like, you know, kind of what you were saying, John, like, you know, waking up at, eight o'clock in the morning to go to some, you know, 300 person weed out class. So it's, you know, he's, I think it has served him a little bit better kind of having things be you know, a little weird in that regard, but it is funny to see how, uh, how little the kind of curriculum and setup around, you know, getting a computer science college degree has changed in the uh, 20 years since you know since i took it right and that that's that's a shame and i think that that's why they're you know places like ada developers academy and, and other folks who are showing people and especially employers right that there's different ways for people to get uh get these skills and and get this knowledge right as opposed to a you know a strictly regimented four year whatever whatever you want to call it degree program. Leah, you came into technology, uh, you were saying, uh, kind of through a, a different path, right? Other than your, your traditional computer science degree? Yeah. So I, I majored in math in college and wasn't exactly sure what I wanted to do with that. And when I graduated, it was 2009 to age myself. <laughs> it was 2009 and, you know, the economy was not doing very well. And a lot of my peers were really struggling to you know, find jobs. And I went for a leadership program at an insurance company and ended up staying there, moving to Cincinnati, Ohio, which you know, I had no desire ever to go there, <laughs> but it worked out fine. You know, I ended up in this insurance company for almost 10 years and met some really wonderful people and I uh, got to do a lot of really great things, but just kept having that question in my mind of, you know, if it hadn't been a poor economy and if it hadn't been whatever factors, you know, could there have been another path for me? And I just kept thinking about, you know, what I enjoyed doing at my job had nothing to do with the insurance side of things. And, you know, I found that I got really into writing Excel formulas and just like those were the days that I, I was having the most fun. And, you know, I was working remotely living in Charleston, South Carolina at the time. And after chatting with a few friends, I found uh, the Turing School of Software and Design out in Denver. So I quit my job and moved out to Denver. And two days after I moved there, I started the boot camp program and after 
an entire week of school, I still hadn't unpacked, you know, my bag of socks and, you know, several other things from my car. So it was just kind of a whirlwind. But yeah, I, I picked Turing because they had an emphasis on uh, social justice. And that was really important to me. And I, I think it has served me very well as far as being able to meet a lot of people who are like-minded, who also picked Turing for similar reasons, just wanting to better the community and be a force for good with technology. So yeah, that was my rambling answer. <laughs> I know that I struggle a lot with knowing the quote unquote good programs and the not so great bootcamp style programs. There's like anything else, when stuff becomes stuff becomes popular, it attracts folks who are, you know, speculators and Usurious, I guess, for lack of a better word. Um, <laughs> and, and so you hear these horror stories, right, about people who go through and spend all this money on boot camp programs uh, and then you know, can't find a job, don't really feel like they learned the things that they were supposed to learn or were told they were going to learn, right? So it's nice to hear good stories around those and some good shout outs to kind of solid programs. I mean, it was definitely stressful and we had a hallway that we deemed the crying hallway but (laughs) but yeah I think it was I think it did serve me well um, and has served many people well in the several iterations that Turing has had over the years yeah I mean just because it's a solid program or positive program right doesn't mean that it's it's easy by any stretch totally Um, I remember one time I was uh, I was talking with an old co-worker and she was telling me about her experience going through the CS program at Carnegie Mellon. And, you know, this woman, Andrea, is one of the, she's easily one of the smartest people that I've ever met in my life. And she's fantastic at everything that I've ever seen her do. And so to hear her talk about, about going through this program and finding stairwells to cry in and stuff as she was a student uh, really kind of, shook me and was made me realize, you know, that, yeah, like this stuff's not easy, you know, and it's hard, it's hard for everybody. And just because you see them years later being really, really fantastic at what they do doesn't mean that they spent years kind of trying to, trying to build those skills through blood, sweat and tears. Right. Yeah. I think one of the things that was hard too, is you have no idea what, playing field everyone is starting from and it's easy to really get down on yourself when you're like this other person is just getting this so much faster than I am and you know come to find out they've had internships or have been working on you know random online courses teaching themselves for years and then finally made the decision to go to a school versus you know other people who haven't had that same amount of experience and it's another lesson and just you know kind of level setting yourself and running your own race and not worrying about what other people are doing. I totally agree with that, Leah. I feel like sometimes I compare my, my starting point to someone's like finish line. And I'm like, oh, how did they finish already? I'm just starting. And it can be really hard to think about that comparison and not get down on yourself. Yeah. But I think, I think it's also really good to keep in mind that we only know our journey and our race and it's so hard to have all of the other information on other people's how they got there so it's just like I I try to remind myself that and it's like 
I think the only one that I'm trying to compare myself with is me a month ago or like me a year ago instead of someone else's journey. Totally. Yeah, that's actually something I'm, I'm trying to build into a conference talk because it's so hard to see your own progress unless someone points it out to you. Like, especially as you're grinding through a, a curriculum like that, where it's like you're always faced with something new and you're always looking ahead to all the things you don't know. And like, when am I going to learn that? When am I going to get to that? When am I going to know all these things like everybody else? And like you, it takes extra work to stop and like turn around and look at, like you said, where you were a month ago, where you were three months ago and be like, Oh my God, right. I used to struggle with this every day. And now it just flows out of my fingers when I need to do a get commit or whatever it is. And being able to notice that progress is, is so important to feeling like you're not completely swamped and, and struggling the whole time that, that you're always looking to the things you don't yet know. And, and never looking at things you do know because you don't have to struggle with those anymore. They don't take up any space in your mind. Yeah, I think I can relate to that as well. And something that I've been doing that it's working a lot is, okay, so I look to others, but I try to see what they did that I can try to look forward. Like, oh, okay, so they did this and this looks like something that I want to do. Uh, but I only compare myself like to my past self because it can be like really, I don't think it does a lot of good to anyone. In fact, when you compare yourself to others, just for the sake of comparing. But if you do see that as a, an inspiration, oh, look, this person is showing me that what I want to do is possible. And that's great because I have now more proof that I'm doing the right I'm going the right path. And it definitely takes some time to change this little key in your head. But once you do, it gets so much easier and so much lighter. And you even like, you see even people in a different way because you start asking, I wonder if this person struggled with this as well, because it's not easy. <laughs> so this is something that it's helping me a lot. Yeah, that's a... Uh... That's something that I'm struggling with right now with uh, my daughter. She plays uh, high school softball and, you know, she, she's fantastic, right? And she's, she's an amazing athlete and she's really, really good, but she's, uh, she's a freshman on the varsity team, right? The highest level high school team. And so she continually compares herself against these other girls who are like, you know, two, three, four years older than her and have a lot more playing time and playing experience. And, you know, and they're just, they're bigger and they're stronger, right? And so I keep trying to look for a way to help her understand that, yeah, she, uh, like you said, Stephanie, she can, she can compare herself to herself yesterday and she can look to these these other players as inspiration as to what's possible. But what she can't do is get down on herself for not being there yet. Right. That's, that's just not fair at all. And she may, she may never get there. Right. Like there's a lot, there are a lot of other factors outside of how hard she works and what she does that will contribute to how she's, how she's going to kind of finally be right. And that's, an, that's another thing that, that I have to <laughs> work on just me personally. Right. Is that, you know, there's, 
we all have our own kind of built-in limitations and we all make choices that that kind of set us down only so far down a path you know i i choose to not keep my house completely spotless because there's only so many hours in a day and i would rather rather go watch my daughter's softball game you know than deep clean a bathroom i mean I'll eventually clean the bathroom, but like today, <laughs> it's 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 not going to be clean because that's the choice, right? But yet, for some reason, right, I still get down on myself when I'm, I come home after the game, and I'm like, ugh, why is this house so dirty? Yeah, I think now that you mentioned that you have a daughter, and I remember this chapter from this book called The Confidence Code. It's a really really good book. And it talks about all the reasons why women are the ones that lack more self-confidence and how how we can put ourselves like to compete. And there is a chapter for parents and how you can help your daughters to not go through the normal route because it will happen, right? Uh, we We are still not that much anymore, but we are still in terms of society expected to behave differently and the book brings you really good tips for parents i think you you would be nice for you it looks like you you want to learn more about that <laughs> yeah for sure thank you stephanie so much i'll uh, i'll take a look at that and we'll we'll include a, a link uh in the show notes for that and and some of the other stuff so that sounds i mean any any and all help is <laughs> uh, very much appreciated. We've come to the time on the show where we go into what we call reflections, which are just the takeaways or the new thoughts or the things we're going to be thinking about that we've talked about on this episode that really struck us. So for me, it's a couple of different things. First, Aaliyah, you were talking about being a companion to long-distance runners, which is something I'd never thought about being a thing but of course the moment you say it i'm like oh yeah if you're running 100 miles it's be, it'd be nice to have someone keep you company that sounds great and, and it's something you need to be suited to right you need to be able to run and 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 talk and 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 so like finding new ways to be of service to other people i think is is really interesting part of that i think the other thing that that struck me is you know we're discussing di- you know different ways of increasing psychological safety on the team and the ways that you can communicate that to the people that are there. And those are things I'm always keeping an eye out for because I always want to be able to provide those to my team. And so like hearing your examples uh, is just always good for me just to have even more different ways of doing it in the back of my head. Thanks, John. Yeah, I think, you know, the big takeaway for me, I think, is just what can we proactively do to make our space safer or just more conducive to diverse thought. I think if we, you know, I think Mondo, maybe you asked the question of like what we were explicitly doing at our companies or if anyone had ever done something explicit to make us feel safer or invite us to participate fully in the community of developers. And I think there's just, there is a lot more that can be done to, you know, help people feel as though they're apart or that, you know, their opinion matters or their belief matters and their contribution will only make the team better and stronger. Yeah, I think that was John John who asked that. And then I rambled on for about 20 minutes afterwards. So, <laughs> Sorry. Um, but, but that reminds me or, or th- that uh, uh, that leads into my reflection. You know, Stephanie was talking about the, 
you know, one of the things that helps reinforce that psychological safety for her was seeing people make mistakes and having it be okay and kind of having that general attitude that, you know, we're going to make mistakes and things are bad things are going to happen and that's that's okay. You know, that's it's something that I yeah, Leah, like you, I I work at a really 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 small startup. And so, you know, there's five people at the company total. And so the pressure to make sure that everything is done right the first time is, you know, is pretty high that, you know, the pressure that I put on myself, you know, and it, it can easily spiral out of control uh, when I start thinking about, you know, how, how long I've been doing this, right? And then the, then the shoulds start to come out, right? You should know this. You should be able to do this. You should get this stuff done quickly or faster, or you should, it should be perfect, right? And, uh, yeah, I, I have to, uh, I need to keep reminding myself that uh, it's okay to, it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to not have it be perfect the first time. It's okay to, it's okay to not be perfect. So thank you for that reminder, Stephanie. You're welcome. I have to remember myself every day. So, <laughs> yeah, it is a daily practice. But I can guarantee you that it's so much better. Things like life in general is so much better. So it is worth it. And I think that my takeaway here, not only from this talk with everyone, but also from the Rails Conf in general and the Rails community is how common it is to talk about these things at our community. Like yesterday at the keynote, I saw the diversity uh, numbers and I was like, whoa, wait a second. I think this is the first time that I go to a conference and someone is like talking about this openly. And I think that's one of the reasons why the race community is so important to me and I want to continue the legacy and yeah I think that talking about these things is what makes our community unique and I'm really grateful to be part of the community. Yeah I think my main takeaway and like what I've been reflecting on these past few days and this conversation is one thing following the like psychological safety theme of like how can we have more inclusive and safe environment? And as like Leah said about representation matters, like the people you see around you and the environment that you are in can help you to feel a certain way. And when there is such a monolith of people in a certain company that can make me feel very scared and open up to what I think or my thoughts are. So I think, the diversification of tech is very, very important, but also like just like making like humanizing people. And that's like one thing that we can do that is by like be open about our mistakes, but also have an environment that is inclusive enough where people can speak up about their mistake and that inclusivity begets inclusivity. Uh, like you're not going to just say that you're inclusive and like don't have actions to back it up. So also I think what Mondo said about calling someone out, sometimes like being a newcomer to a company, I don't feel like I have the power to do that. And sometimes it's uncomfortable for me to do that. So having someone who is in upper management or someone who has a little bit more power sh 
showcase that that's something that they have the power to do, but something that I can do also is really helpful. So that's like something that I would try to reflect more on and act upon. Yeah, this has been a really, it's been a really wholesome conversation and I'm, I'm glad to be a part of it. Wonderful. Yeah. And, and to your point, Tram, the, there's a talk that was actually at RailsConf a couple of years ago by Anwan Simmons called uh, Lending Privilege. And one of his points is that those of us who have the higher levels of privilege, like we can, we can wield it for good and we can do things like putting ourselves out there to say, hey, no, that's not okay. We, we want to, that's not okay on this team. Or to like lift someone else up and say, hey, you know, you just talked over what's her name. Like, please, Stephanie, say what it was you were going to say. Or, like, Stephanie mentioned that idea 10, year, 10 minutes ago, and you just, we ignored it. Like, using the that privilege or the position on the team, like, I've been at my company for 10 years, so I have a lot of social capital. I can use that for a lot of good. And so I'll post a link to that talk as well in the show notes, because I think it's a really important concept. All right. Well, we've come to the end of our show. Thank you so much to all of our uh, scholars who were able to join today. Uh, Leah and Stephanie and Tram. And thank you, Mando, for being here. This was a wonderful conversation. Yeah, thanks, everybody. It's fantastic. Thank you. Thanks, y'all.